It's a really great way to have an application that is permissionless. So basically anyone can kind of put it up and interact with it. And then you don't really need like a company behind it. The blockchain is kind of like a single self-sustaining entity that just like does its thing. And I think that there's a, a level of transparency that comes along with it. And I just think that's really, really important for kind of where we're going in the web. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another episode of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got Anthony Campolo back again. Welcome. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. It's been almost close to two years now since I was on last time. I think it was September 2020. We're in the thick of the pandemic still. And I was just getting started, really. I hadn't even gotten a job by that point. I wasn't even on the Redwood team by that point. And so it was really great to get a chance to have a platform like that as like a pretty much a total noob. But now I've on my second job now, so you, you missed me on my first job, but we're going straight to the second one. Yeah, we never had you on for Stepsin, which Stepsin's a great product. Folks, definitely check it out. But today, we're actually talking about QuickNode. I also wanted to just make one quick, quick point. Uh, for anybody who listened to the Redwood JS episode years ago with Anthony, uh, when Anthony reached out to me in a DM, he was like, hey, let's talk about Redwood. So I invited him, and I think I got halfway through the conversation and realized he wasn't on the core team at that point. So I was like, oh, what's your, what's your involvement in the project? And then since then, you've joined the core team. Uh, I've chatted with Tom and David separately and mentioned how amazing that conversation was and how great of a job you were doing, uh, just sort of advocating Redwood JS. That's awesome. But yeah, Happy to hear that. Just wanted to say that out loud. <laughs> but we don't, we're not here to talk about Redwood or Stepson. We're here to talk about QuickNode. So do you want to give us like a, what is a QuickNode or what is QuickNode? Yeah, so this can be a pretty big pivot for some people getting into what's known as like the Web3 world. So this is related to blockchains, it's related to cryptocurrencies, it's related to all those different topics. And we'll define a lot of these things as we go. But the main thing is that QuickNode is infrastructure to build applications with all that stuff. So it's kind of like spinning up a DigitalOcean server or hosting something on Netlify. It's a dev tool that allows you to quickly and reliably and easily interact with production applications, these ones specifically being blockchain-related. Excellent. Yeah. And so we're going to have to talk about the blockchain. So I'm, I'm curious, like, perhaps we can even start with like dApps. Like, what are dApps? Yeah. So a dApp is like an application you would have on the internet, on a phone app, or just a web app that is, you know, interacting with some sort of data. So you can think about like, let's just go with a to do app. So you have a to do app would usually be attached to a backend somewhere out there in the world, which could be Firebase or it could be a Postgres database, or it could just be like a static file on a CDN somewhere. But a dApp is an application that has all of its data living on the blockchain. So what does that mean to be on the blockchain? The blockchain is not as complicated as people make it out to be. It's really just, think of a database that a bunch of people have on their computer that needs to constantly stay in sync. So if I have a database, you have a database, we have one other buddy who has that same database, we would each have it on our computers, and they would constantly stay in sync. So if you think about it, you could use it to 
record a ledger of transactions. So if you, me, and your friend each have $10, I want to give you $5, then we would change my balance to 5 and your balance to 15 But we would need to do that on all three of the computers. And the idea being that if we all sync up on the state, then no one can tamper with it. Because if there's 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 of us who all have this, if someone tries to introduce a fraudulent transaction giving themselves, say, like a million dollars, they couldn't do that because the rest of the nodes would connect together and say, hey, this is wrong. This is what people's actual balances are. So that's why it started as a mechanism for cryptocurrencies, but is now being used for more general purpose applications because now you can embed programs in the blockchain. It's not just like an account balance with like an arbitrary number in it. It's actually like a fully embeddable programming language that allows you to do what any any kind of logic you can think of that you can write in a computer program. So that's what Ethereum is. And so Ethereum is kind of like what introduced the concept of dApps, which is actual applications and not just a currency. But now there's like there's Solana, there's Avalanche, there's Polygon, there's this whole set of other blockchains. And QuickNode is multi-chain. So we have 13 chains that we support right now. And that allows you to build dApps in like a wide variety of different ecosystems. Okay. How have you hit the ground running? Like what sort of like things can people expect or how can people like get started and jump in? Yeah. So the first thing I did actually is the week before I actually started working there, they were like, hey, do you want to go do a talk in Amsterdam for ETH Amsterdam? And I was like, uh yeah. So I'd actually never been to Europe. So this is like my first chance traveling as a DevRel kind of person because I've been doing this job only during the pandemic time. So it was a chance to go to an actual in-person conference, meet a ton of people, give an in-person talk where I was actually in front of you know a projector screen with my my slides and, and whatnot. And that is now recorded and online. So you can drop the, the link for that in the show notes. But the main stuff that I'm doing on like a regular basis now is hanging out in the Discord. So just like answering questions, making sure that people uh, have like a lifeline if they need it. And then I'm producing a weekly stream now. And actually, I just finished the first episode like a couple hours ago. And that's going to be a range of solo streams where I like build stuff out with QuickNode. The first one I did was uh, deploying a smart contract to the Avalanche blockchain. And it's just hello world. Like literally, it says hello, and you can change it to say a, a different message if you want to. And then we'll also have guests on. So we're going to have uh, Ben Holmes from Astro is going to be one of our first guests. So I'm going to show how to connect Astro to a blockchain. So it's kind of a like learn with Jason or like Alex Stroh's friend horse style stream. Those are kind of two influences that I have. But um, I really love streaming. I actually led some streams for Steps In, which didn't really go super well, I think, because <laughs> there was kind of like this need to like always kind of like shoehorn steps in, in in a way that I felt was kind of like inorganic. Whereas like with these, it's a little easier to just like not have to make them all about quick note all the time. So like that's kind of like a fine line to walk. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so I I don't come across a ton of streams or a lot of content around blockchain. Uh, I know Nader did, did a great job last year of doing tons of great content for intro introducing folks to the blockchain and folks who were familiar with like Jamstack and other places. So like I see a great way for QuickNote or any other blockchain adjacent company to just expand the space. Cause I think at the moment, like a bit of my and I, my gripes against blockchain is very similar to everybody else's. Like it's very dense and sometimes it can be like very opaque on how to get started. But what I love is your approach to it. Like 
connect it to Jamstack applications. Because by default, I don't know if you said this since we hit record, but you said it before we started hit record. By default, blockchain is Jamstack because uh, it is separating your concerns. Yeah, because it, it has to be decoupled because you have the whole blockchain, then you have like the front end, which is querying it. And this is another thing that I definitely like got from Natter because when Natter first made his like full stack Ethereum tutorial, he did a very similar exercise to what I did today with Avalanche. He had like a simple little contract written in Solidity. And then you have Hard Hat, and Hard Hat is like your development kind of environment. It's like a CLI, and it has a configuration file. So you can do configuration as code to take your RPC URL, which is what actually connects you to the blockchain. And that's what you get from QuickNode is the RPC URL. And you also have your private key for your wallet, because <laughs> you have a wallet. And then Hard Hat basically like takes all of that and then deploys the contract for you with like a short little JavaScript script. And then once you've done that, you have a contract address for the contract that you include in your React application that then can query it with another library called Ethers.js. So there's a handful of libraries you have to learn, but they're aimed at JavaScript devs, like Hardhat and Ethers.js especially. They work very, very similarly to any kind of JavaScript library and CLI that you may have used. And then the only challenge is kind of learning Solidity, which is its own programming language, is how you actually like interact with the smart contract. But um, that's actually not the only one. There's also like Rust-based languages too for Solana. So, but Solidity is kind of the first one most people learn. Yeah, did the full stack JavaScript uh, core that course series that Nata put out. I did skim through your your series of blog posts as well, and I think what it just comes down to is like I think. Developers themselves, like they want to be cutting edge, they want to learn the next things. I think that's very prevalent in like the React ecosystem and like the, the front end JavaScript framework. But I'm curious, like, what is the ecosystem? Like, what are we what are we looking at when it comes to like people getting started? Like, is, is there like the React and the Vue, but for blockchain frameworks and, and services? There are lots of different chains, and that's kind of like the tends to be the organizing factor between people. So like people who are into Ethereum, and then there's people who are like into Solana. And there's like some crossover there, but there's also kind of like a competitive nature there because everyone's trying to be what's called like the Ethereum killer. Because Ethereum is it was the first one to really establish itself as a way to write dApps with smart contracts and kind of pioneered this whole paradigm. And so they had a huge head start, and they're now like the second most valuable cryptocurrency after Bitcoin. So there's also like market caps associated with the coins that are associated with these blockchains. And so that tends to be what people get really riled up about because like people have money in these things, you know, and um, it can be very challenging if you're putting your money into something that you don't really understand. You have no idea what it's going to do or how it's going to behave. So you want to look at things that are established and have communities around them. And so I would say Ethereum community is a good one to look at. The Solana community is up and coming. The Avalanche community is is really good. And then there's like Polygon community. There's there's a whole bunch of others. And I'm still learning about some of the other chains that we have on QuickNode. But then there's also like the dev tooling companies. So there's other companies that do kind of what QuickNote does. And so most people will know about Alchemy or Infura if they are going to like look for this kind of thing. So that's where you have kind of like your Netlify versus your Vercel versus like your Cloudflare pages kind of thing. And then you have open source libraries, which are like the hard hats or the ethers.js. And those are kind of more like the JavaScript frameworks because those are like just GitHub things that you can just like pull down or NPM packages you install. So there's 
basically a lot of open source stuff associated with it, and then the blockchain itself like has to be open source. It's one of the things I actually find really interesting about this whole paradigm and why like a lot of people will say like, like what's the point of all this? Like, what's, the, what's the use case? Like, why are we doing all of this? And it's like we didn't really say any of that throughout this conversation yet. So for me, it's a really great way to have an application that is permissionless. So basically anyone can kind of put it up and interact with it. And then you don't really have to like, you don't really need like a company behind it necessarily. Like there's there's companies that are formed kind of after the blockchains are created, but the blockchain is kind of like a single self-sustaining entity that just like does its thing. And once it's kind of out there in the world, like it's going to behave in exactly the way it's coded, and everyone can see the code, and there's like no weird like proprietary stuff that you don't really understand or, or is behind it. So I think that there's a, a level of transparency that comes along with it if you actually kind of wrap your mind around like what is this thing. And I think that's really, really important for kind of where we're going in the web and the need for transparency in, in the applications we're using. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm curious, like, quick note, going back to the the product that you you work for, folks can deploy blockchains in multiple, like, a lot of different places. And I think even like Azure and AWS, and I don't know if Google has an offering, but they've all have an offering of like how to get things deployed on chain. So like, why why use QuickNote over like an AWS? Yeah. So with an AWS, you're going to be Really managing like that server, so you need to pick your flavor of Linux, and you're going to have to actually install the the software for whichever chain you want to use, and then you have to figure out how to expose it through an endpoint, which then involves you know Route 53 or one of those things. And so with QuickNode, it's more like with something like Netlify, where you just kind of get an endpoint right away that you can start interacting with and. It uh, lets you basically pick whichever chain you want to connect to, and then it'll spin up a node for that chain specifically. And then they give you an HTTP endpoint and then a WebSockets endpoint. And you also have the ability to add like authentication to it. You can like do any of that kind of management. If you need to roll your key because it's been compromised or something like that, you can do that. So that's really good. So basically, having tooling to like quickly do any of like the kind of tasks that are like specific to blockchain, but then also installing the software and getting it set up and attached to an endpoint right away. Like that's all the stuff you would have to do yourself if you're using something like Amazon or if you're just like hosting these nodes yourself. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm curious now, what are examples of projects like that you would want to put on? Like there is there any benefits for putting stuff on chain as opposed to like this reaching for some backend server like a railway, which I know you're a fan of, or other things? Yeah. So NFTs have become like a really big use case right now. And for me, I think they're interesting. I don't think they're necessarily like the be all end all of like what you can do with this stuff, but I think it's a good kind of uh, mental exercise for people because it allows you to basically have an image be associated with like a chunk of data on the blockchain. And this is a way to signify ownership because what it basically does is like, because you have like a wallet with keys and a password and you can like sign transactions, it gives you the ability to do kind of like all this really advanced cryptography stuff that like, you know, encryption experts have been able to do for a while. So if you think of like PGP, like pretty good privacy, where you have like a public key that you can expose and then someone can basically like send a message to that, but then they can keep themselves encrypted and you can be encrypted and it's like that whole thing. So you are able to really like pinpoint 
and say like I own this thing because you can point to it on the blockchain. You can prove that it's yours by like verifying and signing transactions, and that allows you to then use it as a way to either like value and sell like art between people. Because if you think about it, it's like ownership of a single like individual object. So it's like owning a painting in that respect. And so people associate that with images. And then there's like communities that they get formed because they do like a generative art project. So the most famous was like the Board Ape Yacht Club, but Crypto Coven's another good one where they'll generate like 10,000 images that are like slight variations on a theme, like a bunch of like bored looking apes or a bunch of witches, something like that. And then they sell, there are like 10,000 of them and they have like a starting price and then people buy it and then they're like in this club. And then there's also like benefits that can come along with that. Like you can get into like events or like things like that. And so then it makes the, the NFT itself is valuable. And so then if the group is something that people actually want to be in, like the developer DAO is, is one that Natter formed. So I'm in the developer DAO. I had to buy an NFT. That NFT was a couple hundred dollars, which it can seem like a lot. Yeah, It's actually extremely cheap <laughs> for what some people are paying for NFTs. But the thing you get is you get access to a community of like thousands of other blockchain developers who are all like creating content and like working on initiatives and like putting together working groups. And it's like, it's a huge, huge thing. And so if you want to be a part of that, then you have to like get this NFT. But there's also usually scholarships that go along with it. So people want to get sponsored to get like a developer DAO NFT. That's also possible. So this is all stuff that we can all just do ourselves with these tools and it doesn't require basically a company like sponsoring these things or putting it together or doing any of that. So it's like a self-organizing kind of force. So yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. When people talk about NFTs, they like they kind of talk about certain individual aspects of this whole thing, but it's like you kind of have to take it all together to like kind of get what's going on. Yeah. And I, I did actually some I keep we keep alluring to uh, Natter too as well, because like we both Obviously, chatted with him. He seems to like the, be the person that's kind of brought a lot of folks in, and I'm familiar with like the developer DAO because I had chatted with Natter last summer about using NFTs as like rather than selling artwork, but more of like what do you call them? Like the community coins, like the Marines. They have like the coin check where if you're part of a certain cohort or battalion, you know, I, I didn't serve, so I'm not sure what I'm saying right now. But you get like a, a basically a, a challenge coin, and like the challenge coin is like. To show that you're part of a community, and I think the DAOs, they're actually very. It's a very similar experience where yes, you you buy in, but it's also kind of like a fraternity or a sorority, where you're now you're part of a cohort of developers, which could be very very valuable, but also kind of sounds like a union, doesn't it? <laughs> it yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's it's a uh, sounds like a lot of things, and so it's really unique. In the blockchain world, but it's not like unique, you know, in the regular world, just like people who are in in clubs and in professional societies and things like that. But the interesting blockchain stuff can come in where then once you have an NFT, you can also then have like ability to like vote on like changes or initiatives or things like that. So there's also this whole kind of like governance aspect that goes along with this to where you can have. Like there's going to be a specific coin for the developer DAO, so you get like based on like how many coins you have, you can like vote on different initiatives, and so this stuff can get dicey if it becomes kind of like a mob rule thing. Like there was a, a case recently where basically someone was like accused of something, and then a bunch of people voted to like just take their funds away essentially, and so because the governance mechanism was set up into the blockchain, it actually allowed 
the manipulation of someone's balance, which is what the blockchain was supposed to <laughs> like guard against in the first place. But if you don't have something like that, then it's like you can't even stop it. Like it just it just goes and runs. You can't change it. You can't update it. You can't. So the the built-in governance mechanisms and the ability to change the blockchain is really important. But you have to like really think about what do you want to give the ability to do after the fact once it's deployed. So yeah, it's like so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean it sounds like even in your role where you sit, would it make sense for like developer communities, not just like the developer DAO obviously, but like imagine like, I don't know, pick a random React library or JavaScript library, create a DAO around that library in, in general? Uh-huh. Like do you think that's a possibility that people like move forward with and more developer communities picking up DAOs as a governance model? I mean, it's a possibility. Like, it would be a question of would this be like a separate DAO that would be set up that's separate from the core team, or would the core team try and create a DAO? Because if it wouldn't really make any sense unless it's like the people who are actually working on it actually are the DAO. And I don't see that happening anytime soon with most of these projects, especially because like a lot of people in Web 2 are like actively hostile towards Web 3. And there's plenty of bad things about Web 3. Like we I, I haven't really given the disclaimer and like all that kind of stuff. But like I am working in the space. I believe in the space. I think there's a lot of good things that can come from it. But like anything in life, it can lead to bad things as well. And giving people more control and more power and more autonomy over their funds can actually be a bad thing. So that means it's easier to lose it. It's easier to spend it on something dumb. And so you really have to take this stuff seriously and go at it carefully and do your research and understand what you're actually getting involved in because you can lose a lot of money and a lot of people lose a lot of money really fast. It's been this huge, ridiculous scandal with the Terra block form. I'm not familiar. (laughs) Yeah, so this is this is intense. This is uh an idea of an algorithmic stable coin. So this is the idea that you want to have a coin that doesn't go up and down in price because cryptocurrencies are very volatile. They're always going up and down. And you want to have one that's just like, if I have a dollar, I want it to be a dollar tomorrow. So I've like you peg it to the US dollar. And the way this has been done previously with things like Tether, you have collateral. So there's a company that said, we have a billion dollars, so you can use a billion Tethers. And if everyone wants to like cash out, we can give you the actual dollars. But Terra has an algorithmic stable coin that basically means there's one coin associated with the blockchain and then another coin that's the stable coin. So as the stable coin needs to be balanced up or down, the other coin gets burned. So it's like the opposite of printing money. So the way the the Fed usually changes the money supply is that like prints more money. And so that's like, or they raise interest rates. And so it's like, it's kind of like quantitative easing. And so it's a it's like a way to try and create a financial mechanism built into the coins. But basically this like it didn't work. And like it had like a $40 billion in it and it's like almost gone totally to zero. And it's like been complete travesty. It's like wiped out huge, huge, huge amounts of people's money. And now there's like a huge scandal around it. And it's like it's really bad. And so this is the type of stuff that makes people look at blockchain and cryptocurrency and say, this is all a scam. This is all a Ponzi scheme. And I understand that because like it's bad news and like people were betting on something incredibly risky without really understanding the the risks and the yeah. possibility of this. People were saying this could have happened. Like there are a lot of people who also predicted this. So it's not like this stuff ha- comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Is that people don't do the proper research and really like understand what they're getting into. Yeah. And I, I even like what you mentioned, like a little pushback on the web two hostility. And I think the hostility towards blockchain is I I I agree. Like there's risk involved. But also I think 
we need to solve problems together. And when the hype is is higher than the actual actual contribution to the code, then you don't really get a lot of progress. You get a lot of hype. And I think we saw that like now at the recording of this podcast, Bitcoin's less than 30K, I think. Or at least it was this morning. Uh, and it was seven, like 69, like at the end of last year or something like that. So I guess what I'm getting at is like people probably were writing less code uh, on blockchain last year. And they might be writing more code now, but it might just be the people who are really invested in solving the problems and things like, um, I know there's like an environmental impact for like things like Ethereum. Like that's a problem that can be solved. Like the, the, the answer could be not use Ethereum, use something else. Or the answer could be like, hey, let's contribute code to solve this problem. But at the end of the day, like when the, there's so much noise and hype and no one's really actually talking about solutions, but more about like issues on the top of issues, then like there's not a lot of progress. And that's what I, I've, I did a whole series on building on, I built an XJS app on top of the Zora protocol, which is an NFT protocol. And in my experience in doing this, I found that caching is really challenging. So if you get an NFT that's like four gigabytes, because it's a, it's a moving video, that I can't, I can't deploy, where am I going to deploy that? And as soon as someone uses it, like I, I run through all their bandwidth or something like that. So there wasn't a real good solution. And I think Cloudflare, they offered a solution for IPFS to be able to cache that and cache IPFS URLs, which is a good solution to step forward. And like, if you want to draw a distinction between Web 2 and Web 3, like a Web 2 company is now supporting Web 3. But at the end of the day, like, I think we all win when there's no Web 3 or Web 2. It's just the web. Yeah, and that's why I try and be conscious of people who are, are hostile to Web two and like under, understand it, and not like take it as like an insult or a slight. Like they're completely entitled to to think that, and it's like you know they're saying like you need to prove to us that this actually does what you what you're all saying it does, and I'm just like yeah, that's that's totally valid. Like you, you people should be skeptical of this stuff. People should ask the hard questions, and that's why I really try and focus on. Creating content that like actually shows you how to do this stuff. Like actually, what is a smart contract? How do you deploy that smart contract? Because people can talk about these things, but until they kind of like actually start working with them, it's all very abstract. Like I'm trying to explain this stuff to like my girlfriend, and I'm like, you need to create a Coinbase account and buy like five dollars in some cryptocurrency. Like, that's all you gotta do. Like you're gonna understand it so much more and so much better. So I like I recommend people do that, and then. Like you can start to form a kind of more nuanced opinion of it, and then like start to try and see like, okay, what is what is the hype? What is not the hype? Like, why are people actually into this? Like, why why are they excited by it? And like, always keeping that dialogue open. And now it's like I have tons and tons of Web two friends and people who aren't really into blockchain at all, and it's it's really interesting like, having conversations with people about it because some people you know are. Think it could be could be interesting, could be good. Some people are just like, nah, I don't really want to have anything to do with that. And so, yeah, it's like I think we're we're still working on like earning trust, and that trust can be easily lost. And so, we need to really like think carefully about how we promote this stuff and, and how we talk about it. Yeah, indeed. And I think that I'm, I appreciate you being in the space and, and talking about it and sharing because I, I enjoy your content and uh, follow you on Dev and Twitter as well. So. Uh, would love for you to keep it up, and would love for folks to check out QuickNode because it's it's definitely a tool, and it's making it easier for you to build stuff on top of the blockchain. And uh, with that, I kind of want to transition us to picks. So this is music, food, uh, could be tech related, like everything's on the table, basically. All the things. 
Yeah, and speaking of all the things, you've got a couple picks. So do you want to go ahead and go first? Yeah, my picks are some developer discords, and you were one of the first people who got me into developer discords with OpenSauce. I had joined that and then started joining some others right around the same time. So the ones that I'm going to recommend are first is LunchDev. So this was originally the React podcast Discord from Michael Chan. And he now has this Discord that we've kind of rebranded to Lunch Dev, because it's not React specific, really. There's all sorts of channels and topics related to JavaScript or TypeScript or GraphQL or CSS, different frameworks, or just you know, career advice or life advice or just hanging out in movies, music, all that kind of stuff. So that's great. And then there's also the Front End Horse Discord, which is Alex Trost. And they're more heavy on like creative coding and more of like the front of the front end, CSS and stuff like that. But there's also lots of JavaScript conversations going on there. And then since this is Jamstack Radio, we should mention the Jamstack Discord, which now has been running for a couple months now and just kind of replaced the Jamstack Slack, which not a lot of people were really using. So I'm really happy to see that. <laughs> Didn't even know they had a Slack. Yeah, so there's a, a Discord now. And yeah, it's um, Demetrius is kind of like heading that up. And there's a lot of, there's other ones too. It's like I'm in so many developer Discords now. Like, <laughs> it's, don't have the time for all of them, but they're a great way to connect with people, to have like a lifeline to others who are doing similar stuff and maybe able to help you like fix bugs or just like get out of a jam. But then also just like no pun intended. Yeah, that's yeah. And then there's like a way to get your content out there and a way to get people to like see your content, to give you feedback on it, and then you start building partnerships and just all all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I was the the Slack thing threw me because I I when I was at Netlify we didn't have a Slack. Uh, and the one thing that I noticed in DevRel is like a lot of companies they have Slacks with like ten thousand plus people, and that's like that's cool, but hard to manage, and it becomes a customer support nightmare. What I love about Discord is like there's an evolution of, I guess, uh, access, which makes it really nice for like having folks who only talk in this corner or have this corner that they own, but then you can have the rest of the Discord for like mods and, and admins and stuff like that. So it's it's a great DevRel tool. So if anybody's not in these Discords, definitely check them out. I did have some picks too as well. My first pick is Fig. So Fig.io, it's a terminal. It's like an. They started with autocomplete, so like it, it provides autocompletion to your terminal uh, in a way that like it just works. I, I love it. It's open source, and uh, you can provide extensions and, and plugins to it. Um, so definitely check it out if you work on any sort of CLI tools. Create an extension for Fig. Their goal is to be in every. It works in every terminal. So they just added JetBrains recently. But what I love about it is like when I started, I, I set up my new machine, so I got the new M1 MacBook Pro. I went with the 16, but I kind of wish I went with the 14, but that's a whole other conversation. I got the 16 M1 and set up my my machine pretty quickly. And the one thing that threw me off was that the M1s now come with ZSH by default, no longer Bash. They haven't changed that since, since like 2000 something. So I had to like think of a whole other setup for setting up ZSH, and I'm like, if I'm going to start like new, I should just install Fig and let that install everything for me. Well, it doesn't install stuff for you, but it gives you autocomplete to know what is available to you. So I'm not giving it the best justice, but you should definitely check out Fig. I don't know, Anthony, have you checked out Fig? Yeah, I did try Fig. I thought it was good. There's a lot of terminal tools out there these days, yes. and I don't think they all work together. So you have to go with one. So I'm, and you know, this one I'm using Warp right now. Okay, and yeah. um, 
I really like it. I'm already kind of used to it, so it's gonna be hard to get me a switch off of it. But Fig was really <laughs> cool too. Like, don't use your regular terminal. <laughs> Let me just put it that yeah. way. There's much better options out there. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I um, I don't think I ever go back to just normal terminal. I do always have Warp installed on the machine. I haven't used it. I'll need to use it for a couple projects because I know it's it's bringing a lot more to the table, uh, and that's what I wasn't ready for yet. So I'll need to give it another try. And uh, I did want also do one more pick, which. Funny enough, I was talking to Michael Chan at the recent Reactathon, and we were talking about keyboards and how he used Dvorak and also uses uh, blank keycaps and uh, how much better of a typer he is because of the blank keycaps. So uh, I'm just going to shout out my keyboard, which is the Keychron uh, K6. Uh, I love it because it connects to my Mac and my PC. So like, I don't know if you ever noticed while I'm streaming, but I can just like click this one little side button and it goes back and forth between the PC and the Mac. So like you can connect multiple keyboards to one. It's it makes I used to have like this whole streaming setup where I had two keyboards on the desk at the same time. And then like tons of water cups. It was a it was a mess. So I've been able to like, well, the water cups are still here, but at least I only have one keyboard. Yeah, it reminds you of Mavis Beacon learning the home row. Yeah. I mean, it goes a long way. I I don't think I really took it seriously until until I started writing code. Because I, I still would, I could probably type papers pretty good, like, you know, 50 words per minute, 60. I don't know what's good. But for writing code, uh, it's perfect, especially if you use Vim, which I do use Vim. Yeah, never got into Vim, but I can type pretty, pretty fast. I did a lot of Mavis Beacon in middle school. We should have a, a competition for uh, developers uh, typing words per minute and see. Because <laughs> I bet you there's, there's some devs out there that probably have some, including yourself, sounds like, has some serious, uh, what do you call it, WPM. Yeah, I would get up to like ninety, I think, when I was like back in my prime. Might not still be there, but yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, it's useful if you spend as much time typing as I do. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I really enjoyed having this conversation about this general blockchain, but also exposing us to QuickNode, uh, folks. Again, check it out. Reach out to Anthony. He's on the AJC Web Dev on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and check out quicknode.com. Uh, you can get started and just host a node and see what it's like. Uh, right now, we have a seven day free trial, and then after that, it's $10 for a node. But um, we may be adjusting our pricing structure soon, so keep an eye out for that. Okay, excellent. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 